What's up, hybrids? Welcome back to another episode of the Phantom Hybrid Podcast. This is Hanako, and I am here tonight with Mike and Lori, and we are discussing the return of a discovery of witches. Yay! Who is here? Not in the way that I wanted, because I was really, really hoping that all 10 episodes would drop at once (laughs) so that I could binge watch this weekend, but that didn't happen. We only got one episode, but it's okay because it was such a great episode. Yeah, I think I think everybody's getting hip to just throwing everything out at once. I think they're just I think they're trying to string it out as much as they can, especially with people who are in a lot. I think they're doing it for them, especially so that they can not binge everything and be like, okay, what now? So they kind of like keep kind of stretch it out like that a little bit. So I can I can kind of understand it. And then also maybe, you know, to keep people from saying, okay, I've binged it. Let me cancel my subscription, which I don't do. Because if it's a show that I'm really, really into, I'm going to want want to watch it more than once. Right. So yeah, yeah. I've never understood the whole cancel limit. Now, I understand if, if, you know, if you're trying to keep your costs down, I can understand that. But like with those shows, I just, I can't. Like I signed up for AMC Plus because it has also all of the Walking Dead content and it has bonus content and it has so much stuff. And I'm like, oh, wow, I've got a lot to catch up on. But yeah, so. I mean, I was going to be one of those people. Then we then I saw the, saw the trailer for The Watch and I was like, fine. Yeah. And yeah, The Watch looks up. interesting. But, watch looks see, really good. but see, Hanako, here's, here's the thing. I noticed, I went to Wiki and I went to a few places after you talked to me the other day. And they did release all 10 episodes, but Sky One, for some reason, is only going to release them one at a time. And I'm like, well, that's conflicting because why would you release them as a bundle, but then dole them out one by one? That that whole thing doesn't make sense. I don't know, but I have a friend in Australia and she was she was very much bragging on the fact that she got to watch it on Friday. She was posting about it and I was like, don't brag. I can't get it till tomorrow. And she was wow. like, you're going to love it. I'm on episode such and such. Now I'm like, oh. so yeah, see, I really is- thought we were going to get multiple episodes. And then when I looked at my, uh, when I looked at it on Saturday, I was like, there's only one episode there. Yeah, this is really drug dealery. It's like, you know, they get a big, big batch of stuff and they cut it up and they cut it out and give you a little sample. And be like, yeah, you'll be back. I don't know. Come on back and get another one. Yeah. It's like really drug dealery. I don't know if I like this. Well, I don't know if I can. It's cool because whether they release them all at once or whether they release them one at a time, I'm here for the ride. Let's True. get into it because this episode was so. Okay, so we start out, of course, we know at the end of last season, we have Matthew and Diana preparing to time travel, and uh, Satu, Knox, and Jaber arrived at the house, and Satu did some kind of spell to kind of break whatever barrier, whatever protection spell was on the house, and the, the show ended with a cliffhanger with Diana kind of looking surprise like maybe she time jumped and Matthew didn't so we were all kind of worried at first but of course we've seen the promos for season two so we know that he made it so this is where we pick up we literally pick up there with Satu Knox and Jaber arriving at the house they're inside the bedroom and Satu is feeling around for magic because of course they're in the house there's no way Diana and Matthew could have escaped 
the house without being seen from them as far as they know. So they think that there's a cloaking spell or whatever. And Jaber finds the clothes that they were in and the clothes are still warm. So he very quickly deduces, oh, they must have needed clothes that they wouldn't be recognized in another time. They must have time walked. Now that is the first time that I can think of that I looked at that TV screen like, really? Like he just automatically guessed that Diana, this very untrained witch, was powerful and controlled enough to time walk. That just seemed a little yeah. off to me. I mean, I, I understand that Satu yeah. told him that Diana was really powerful, but I just, it, I, I think it just seemed kind of convenient. Really convenient. To, for him to make that deduction. It would have been a little more suspenseful, I think, if they would have wondered a little bit more, but it doesn't matter because we didn't really see, I mean, after that, we didn't even see them for the rest of the episode, but I just thought it was really uh, convenient to oh, go with oh, that. Yeah, yeah but see, that, that bothered me a little bit though, because I wanted to see, every time they did that shot and they showed the, the like the port, Right. I kept expecting at least one scene to go back to, you know, the modern times just to give us a little bit more, but they did. Now, I got a question. Yeah. Did you guys get on your, now I got Sundance because I know we all have different uh, platforms. Did you guys get the what's coming next week with the full, like a five minute trailer? Mm-hmm. We did? Okay. Five minute trailer? Mm-hmm. Well, it was a long trailer. It was a long trailer. We did get a Cause that's that's why I that's where I showed you the girl singing that saying nobody knows mm-hmm. was on that was in, during that trailer was during that like previous like they're saying coming up and it showed like everything that's getting ready to happen like in the in this season yeah because it, yeah, it, it was it wasn't that long it no, was it was it, okay okay three minutes but it was long let me put it this way by watching the trailer I pretty much kind of can guess what's gonna happen in the next six seven episodes I mean oh, it I was def- a long I trailer really didn't see that. <laughs> I definitely didn't see that. But um, I, I had that same thought too when I kept seeing, you know, the the sky view of London. I thought, oh, are we going to go back? Are we going to go back? Like, I thought it was going to be one of those back and forth between present day and London uh, and Elizabeth mm-hmm. and London. Mm-hmm. But I guess they just put, you know, Naksatu and Jaber at the beginning just to kind of show us what <laughs> happened and also to kind of maybe... Um, put our minds at peace for those people who may not have watched any of the promos for season two to be like, Oh yeah, you know what? Matthew made it out. <laughs> Cause I think after that cliffhanger, we were all looking like, what the hell is this? Did he make it? Why is she looking so scared? But, Oh, this is, this is the thing too. So when Jaber makes the suggestion that Diana time walked, did anybody else notice how worried Peter looked? Like mm. he looked shaken. Knox looked out of his depth. He he was out of his depth. Like he was like, wait, she did what? Right. He, he was just like, whoa, I don't know how to handle this. He was looking like, like oh, I thoroughly underestimated her. Not only right. that, but I think that was also one of those looks because if you remember. He was the one that tested Diana's powers and he right. thought he she had no powers. So can you imagine 
being the person who has told everybody that this witch does not have powers and then you find out she's powerful enough to time walk. Right. And that she's way more powerful than you are and or most people that you know. And that he I mean he, he literally he was he was out of his depth. Like he didn't know he looked like he didn't know what to do at all. He like, almost he was, looked scared. Satu Satu was the one who looked like she was really like she knew more about what was going on than he did. So I'm wondering if that's going to come up again, too, because Satu, she didn't look intimidated at all. She was like, oh, cool. I want to find out more about this. But Nas was like, oh, shit. I think because Satu from the beginning has said that Diana was powerful, even when Nas was saying she doesn't have power, she doesn't have power. Satu felt it, you know, and she was the one that tried to get into her mind. And she was like, oh, you've done something to your power. You've blocked it or something. So she's always known from the beginning. And then, of course, she's the one who lost her powers trying to open Diana up. So she would know that, okay, yes, yeah, she's powerful. I don't think she realized that Diana was this powerful. And maybe she, maybe that look was kind of in awe, like, oh, wow, she really is powerful. Because again, I don't think... I still don't think Satu is really on Knox's side. I think at this point she's she's by his side right now because that's the only place for her to be. I mean, like I like I mentioned before, I really see her as being like it's kind of a it's kind of a Darth Vader kind of thing where she's where she's next to him and she looks at him and she's like, I don't know if I need to be affiliated with you right now. I think I think there, there's something I I hundred percent believe that okay wait. I have a theory. <clears throat> Sorry, Ann. Um, I think I feel like I feel like Satu is going to become more important to the witch community than Knox is. Oh yes, De- most definitely. Like, like she, oh, yeah. She's, yeah. Gonna, she's gonna end up take if not taking his spot, just like kind of blocking him for as far as and limited like making his the way the power that he has in the witch community is gonna go down considerably now because I mean he's so shook. Is it weird that the only per the only person there that wasn't intimidated by or impressed or like shook by this was Gerbert? Gerbert no, it's like, not surprising because Gerbert no. is older than them than them both. So he, I mean, he basically was like, "Oh, I can wait. I have time." You know, right. he's not planning but, on dying anytime soon. And he's been around, so he's like, "Yeah, they've got to come back at some point, and we'll yeah. be here, or I'll well, be." Not- yeah, well, not only that, it, you you get the feeling that Jaber really wasn't that surprised that it happened. He just sort of like, it was almost like it confirmed what he knew, you know? He was just sort of like, yeah, I I, I can wait because, you know, he's so much older than them. But see, with Sat 2, I think that Sat 2's role eventually, and I could be wrong and I haven't read ahead, I think that eventually she's going to come around and she's going to become a defender of Diana. And Matthew, I, I get the feeling that it might take uh, a little bit more conflict, but down the road, season three maybe, she's going to switch sides. I can see that. Yeah, and we we've kind of hinted that that might be the case um, mm-hmm. in season one when we discuss Satu. Like I, I again, I really don't feel like her allegiance is to Knox, especially once she found out that Knox is the reason why Diana's parents are dead because he tried to get the power. He was the one who underestimated Diana. He was the one who allowed someone else's spells to kind of, um, you know, put the okie doke on him. Mm-hmm. So I yeah, think at this point, Satu probably realizes, okay, you know what? 
I'm going to stick around. I'm going to find out more stuff, you know, more things, because again, she is new to the congregation. So there may be some things in there or about the way that they work or something that she needs Knox for. She's using him at this point. That's, that's really what I feel. You know, she's yeah. using him to get to Diana. Now, whether or not she wants, it's because she wants Diana's power or whether she wants to protect Diana or whether she wants to team up with Diana, that's that remains to be seen. But yeah, I don't think she's going to be in partnership with Knox for very long. I just don't see yeah. that happening. I can see a combination of all three of those things, like mm-hmm. her, like her being, I don't see her, I don't necessarily see her being, well, kind of being like, like um beholden and loyal to witches but i can see her teaming up with her then later trying to take her power but i can also see the way things are going that she's going to do something for something for um, matthew's brother and he's going to end up owing for baldwin and she's he baldwin's going to end up owing her a favor too because says he owes favors for everyone else in All this right, show why not? Just, i mean not as well person but yeah i i, I could see i could definitely see that's, that'd be a hell of a team up, but I could definitely see her wanting something from that team up or trying to figure out if she can get some, get a piece of her power or learn how, you know, learn how to learn how to take, like get some of that power for herself because right. she, I, I could definitely see that. Right. Well, okay. We'll, we'll, we'll come back to Satu Knox and Jaber at another time, but let's travel to 1590 London. Let's do the time walk again. <laughs> so the first thing we see is a witch's bonfire. And there's an older witch there. And she um, she basically is talking to two other witches. And she makes a prophecy or she tells them of a prophecy, the All Hallows prophecy. She says she will arrive this year. And then she says, I've read the signs that she will arrive this night, our fearsome witch. So... Again, yeah. we we talked about this last season where we didn't know if Diana was from another time or if she had ties to another time uh, because of the fact that she could time walk or because her powers are so formidable, even though they're underused. And it's so weird because here here's this witch in 1590 and she's like, oh, yeah, she'll she'll arrive tonight. And of course, that's when Diana and Matthew appear. But, you know, I don't think this is Diana's first rodeo. Right. 1590. Or, you know, maybe maybe that's just the way time travel is. It's like, this is what happened in 1590 current time. They prophesied that she would be there. And then Diana just happened to be the one to fulfill that prophecy by time walking. I don't know. Time travel is still one of those really weird kind of things that, you think you understand it and then you don't understand it right but yeah and and it's like you know you just and depending on the writer there's so many different ways that things can happen in time in time travel like you if you meet if you meet your other your future or past self you'll just obliterate yourself from the timeline or if you do this you'll change something and use the butterfly effect and blah 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 Mm -hmm. so i mean it's just it's really hard to predict what's going to happen and that's kind of, and but then again like we said before it's kind of a it can also be used as writer by writers as kind of a crutch just to explain things like you right. know like what happened oh he went back in time and fixed it oh really 
So it just so it just it just goes like I said from writer to writer it just kind of switches back and forth and even when we get further into it and well we'll get to it when he gets when he talks to Kit there's another explanation that Matthew has for it about what happened as far as where his past self is but we can get to that when we get to yeah that was kind of interesting the way the way that came up but yeah we we will so anyway diana and matthew they arrive they arrive together and i think they're a little bit jarred because they didn't quite arrive where they planned to arrive i think matthew says that he had planned for them to arrive in the country you know somewhere kind of remote unseen and instead they arrive in the middle of the street in london and luckily it happens to be close to a place that we find out is where i guess matthew lives at in, during that time but i'm wondering if satu's spell when she you know when she burst the house open when they were just as they were time walking i wonder if her spell maybe knocked them out of time like they arrived in the correct year they arrived on the correct night but they didn't arrive in the correct place i wonder if it maybe her spell threw them off yeah it could be because yeah it threw, threw them off 60 miles but i think that one little lapse in concentration probably did throw them off because right before they took the step she kind of looked was like oh, and that probably did kind of distract her it distracted her just for a second but i guess one second in time walking is equivalent to 60 miles Mm. So it's just like just threw her completely off. But yeah. It's- but see, I'm wondering now, and I'm going to go back and watch just that last little bit of the uh, season finale for season one. I'm wondering if that little glimpse we saw of Diana turning around when we thought that maybe she had dropped Matthew's hand or whatever. I wonder if that was actually supposed to be her face when they landed in London because if you look at the way that they landed and she was kind of turned away from him she was still holding his hand but she had turned away from him and she looked startled so I wondered if like she felt the boom of the house at the exact same time that they stepped and that's why she looked startled when they arrived because one you know that was kind of jarring two to realize that someone was that close to catching you right you know because they had no idea they were coming matthew wasn't answering his phone when baldwin was trying to call and warn them so the fact that they got this close to catching them was probably what that look on her face was like what and then of course they look and she's in the street and they're in night clothes and they're like um wait a minute where are we when are we you know it it was kind of one of those okay did we do what we were supposed to do right you know but it's good to know that i mean think about a few weeks before diana couldn't control her magic for anything and she literally just time walked them to a specific year, to a specific night. You know, maybe not this, maybe not the specific place, but two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> you know, for your first major, major time walk. You know. Yeah, I mean, they, they could. She could have taken them, put them in five thirty instead of fifteen thirty. Oh, that or... would have been. That would have been weird because then that would have been a human Matthew at that point. Oof. Well, that that brings me to um, 
to mind of another book series. I know I keep bringing out book series and I'm looking up some of the information right now so I can get my thing right. But there is a, there's a series where I want to, it's, uh, it's not the Dark Jewels, it's something. Anyway, um, the main character who's the heroine, she has magic, but she can't control it. And she's really, really powerful. And the running joke in the entire series is that everyone else who has magic can do things like call in their shoes from another room. And that's like the one thing she can't do and everyone makes fun of her. But at the end of the series, when she had to basically turn back time and do some other stuff, she was able to do it. And even after she gave that up to save everyone, she still couldn't magically call her shoes in. <laughs> you know, so it, it's sort of like if you have great power like that and they have this is a trope that when they have women who are witches or mages or sorcerers and they're so powerful there's always the basic stuff like lighting a candle diana can't light a candle to save her life if she needed to okay so that's going to be running through the series just like the book series because i think that they do that to show that just because you're powerful doesn't mean that you are all powerful yeah and we know she still can't light a candle <laughs> yeah yeah pretty much <laughs> we learned that in this episode but anyway so they they arrive in this this house that matthew is obviously familiar with and um you know he makes a comment this house is never empty and he goes to look for someone and diana kind of stays behind and she's approached by this gentleman who's in the house and he it almost looks like he's about to attack her. And then Matthew kind of comes and interrupts and he's like, yo, she's with me. You need to stand down. And this person thinks that he's bewitched. And we've heard this before. Like people, again, there is a covenant out there that vampires and witches and demons are not supposed to, you know, they're not supposed to be together in that way. Apparently there's not much of a, restriction on vampires and demons being friends because this person is a demon this is christopher marlowe or kit as uh matthew has referred to him before when telling diane about his past so this guy is a demon and he knows that diane is a witch and so her being there with matthew he thinks that she's bewitched matthew and matthew's like no she hasn't bewitched me i'm still myself by the way She's here, not as my guest, as the lady of the house. This is my wife. And I was like, oh, this just took a turn. Okay. The fact that he's being, again, Matthew's being bold enough to be like, okay, yeah, she's a witch. I'm a vampire, but she's my wife. What about it? You know, again, Matthew with the breaking rules part. Matthew's like, your rules don't apply to me. And, but Matthew, this... and Matthew with the attitude that you can't do shit about it. Right. You know, I mean, he they, they literally was like, they're like, you can't do that. They 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 didn't even say that. They just looked at him and was like, oh, we're on that Matthew shit again. Here we go. Right, right. But um, there are two other servants that come in at that time, and they address him as Ma Master Royden. Which okay, we know that Matthew has changed his name before. He's gone by different names. So this is obviously one of his aliases. This is what he was known as in the 1590s. But I ended up, because, I, because I've, I've been looking on Twitter and I've been seeing like everyone's reactions to these different characters. And I'm going to be honest, I don't know much about Elizabethan history. Not much at all. So I started my whole Google thing. So Christopher Marlowe, 
was actually an English playwright, poet, and translator in that era. Mm -hmm. And he was part of this group that hung with Sir Walter Raleigh, who we meet later on in the episode, Matthew Royden, and um, one other person, um, Thomas Harriet. So mm -hmm. now we are starting to see like actual historical figures make their way into this series. So I'm like, oh, this is going to be really interesting because now you're putting history, like really, really putting history into this show. So, oh, I'm like, this will be fun because I'm not one of those people. I can't stand like sitting in a class trying to learn about history is the most boring thing to me. It never, like, I'll, I'll learn what I need to learn for whatever lessons and exams I have to do, and then it's out my head. But you yeah. put it to me in, like, a TV show, or you put it to me in, like, a documentary, and I'll remember. So I'm like, oh, okay, this is going to be fun. I'm going to learn. Yeah, I've, had, I've had some of my best naps in history class. <laughs> Plus the books are so fluffy it's like you can hold your head and be really supportive I think they're really cool. especially considering some of the history teachers that we had in school Mike and I went to high school together Mercy. so yeah. uh some of those history teachers yeah in Georgia yeah I, I, nice I, I was the one that went to history class twice in college. I'd go in the morning and then I'd go in the afternoon in case I missed something in the first class. Oh, see, you, yeah, you did. I was one of those. Are. Yeah. But I mean, we know that you're a history nerd. You've said right. it several times on this show. You actually have a degree in military history. So literally, I'm watching them introduce these characters in this season. I'm like, oh, Lori is going to talk so much in our podcast this season because you know laurie she she's there and she kind of listens and then she puts her little two cents in and then it's kind of like wait is she still here oh yeah sometimes it's like that True. but with a dust with the discovery of witches you've been very you've been a lot more vocal because of the history aspect of it so i, I was watching the show and i was like oh laurie's gonna have so much fun this season like, well, I I fully admit you're you are 100 correct because I'm sitting there and I'm going oh I'm going to be nice this episode because I want to see who pops up next episode. <laughs> right. So we get we get this this person Kit who apparently is a close friend of Matthews, but um he doesn't like Diana. He doesn't like the fact that she's a witch. He doesn't like the fact that she's there with Matthew. I was getting some major jealousy vibes. Anybody else? Yeah, that's kind of a weird dynamic. I was like, like, like it was almost a Harpo who this woman kind of vibe. Yes, like, that's exactly she calls him. She, she calls him out at the end if you pay attention. Yes, she does. She did. She yeah. Really did. She, does. Yeah, she, she and, and she nailed it. And and he kind of looked away because, you know, obviously there's some feelings he has, and she was able to peg that. And I don't think he appreciated that. Yeah. You know. I mean, it, it was it was one of those they they were ha sitting a, and having a discussion, and she says, "I know what you're thinking. You're thinking that as soon as we leave, um, you'll get you know you'll get your Matthew back." And then he does look away and he says, "I have wit enough to know that he has never been that." So obviously, yes, he's in love with Matthew or he has feelings for Matthew, and Matthew doesn't return those feelings. And immediately, Lori, you're gonna you're gonna laugh. I immediately thought. Mortal Instruments, City of Bones, Clary, 
Alec J. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. That was like the scene That's on the bridge from the that, movie. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> yeah, and, yes, so that, that is true. That is true. And and in the TV series, I, I do believe that they actually stretched that out to two episodes. I'm not going to talk about the TV series. You know how I feel about that TV series. Anyway, let's get back to a discovery. Okay, so actually, I'm like, this This is just like I said before, like Matthew, like we're, we're talking about how Matthew is, is a playboy. No, he's not really a playboy, but I was like, well, he's been alive for a long time, so he could have changed a lot. He could have been a lot of different characters during different time frames. Mm-hmm. So maybe he was, maybe he kind of swung both ways. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, I, I mean, wouldn't doubt it, but it something about the way, something about the way those two interact, like Kit very much comes off as jealous of Diana yeah. and jealous of the fact that she's there. And I kind of, what I took from Matthew's response and the way that he interacted with Kit in the first half of the show, um, you know, he did make a mention, I'm sorry to break it to you this way. I think that maybe he's cognizant of Kit's feelings for him, but again, he doesn't, he doesn't reciprocate those feelings, but I think he still cares about Kit enough as his friend to not, you know, to not hurt him. And then, of course, here you are, you appear with this woman. And not only is this, a, you know, woman a witch, she's also your wife. And you've only been gone a few weeks in yeah. this timeline. You, you've been out, you've been sent out on a mission or to do a job or whatever it is that has the 1590 actual Matthew not there. You've only been gone for a few weeks. So then you show up and you show up with a wife who happens to be a witch. Right. It's a lot for someone to take in, regardless of how he feels for Matthew. But yeah. if you if if he's in love with Matthew or if he has feelings for Matthew, then yeah, that I I, I probably would be pissed too. You know, yeah, especially especially if it was an unrequited, unreturned love. Like if he really loved him and Matthew was like uh, not really into you like that. Or it's just like, you know, he just kept he just kept following him like a puppy dog or doing whatever he said and it's not returned. So, I mean, that's I even worse. I don't think it, it was that. I, I think Matthew was probably very much aware and just out of respect for the friendship and out of respect for the person, because again, they seem like they're really good friends or they were really good friends up until right. Diana showed up. So I, you know, I don't, I think it would have just been one of those maybe unspoken type things. I don't know. Like maybe, maybe Kit was putting out those vibes and Matthew never said anything or never approached it. And then it just kind of now is manifesting itself because you just showed up with a a witch wife, you know, but again, at the same time too, it could just be genuine concern because again witches and vampires are not supposed to be together and even isabeau at the beginning thought that diana had bewitched matthew so it's probably that's probably what the norm is like oh if if a witch is with a vampire oh she must have bewitched him yeah poor yeah she she's just gonna have to go through that so many more times i'm sure she's about to probably be like you bewitched him she bewitched him she bewitched him she's like he loves me 
But I want to know what it is. What is it about the vampire and witch dynamic that people would think that oh, a, a witch wants to be with a vampire so bad that they would bewitch them? I mean, like, what is that? You know? Uh, yeah, that's kind of. It, I mean, I wonder if it goes like you know with um demons too. It's like you know, like is there something like a demon can put a spell? You must put a spell on them. There's no way or something like that. There's an interesting dynamic there to be sure. To figure out how they figure how why why people are so are so doubtful of that actually being real and mm-hmm. not having an outside having someone with an, put an undue outside influence on their mind to make them do that right I mean it's just, it's just like you know like a like a star athlete going with a, with a nerd girl she's like what'd you do how'd you do that and it's like like he likes her. It's like you know. What I mean, people like people for you know. You can never, never, you go. You can never tell who's gonna like who, and it just happens. So it's like, why think? Why put something like you know? Oh, you must have paid him, or you must have bewitched him, or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's just you know, just really let this let it go. But I mean, that's kind of it's kind of a weird dynamic because of um, because of the superpower, because of like you know the supernatural kind of thing. It's like you know that they're worried about it being dangerous like that too so there's something to it right so when diana and matthew they retire to their rooms one of the servants comes in and her name is francoise and she tells matthew that kit has summoned sir walter and the earl of northumberland and diana starts you know of course her being the historian that she is and them being in the era that they're in she's like wait you mean uh, Sir Walter Raleigh? Like, that's one of your friends? And Christopher Marlowe is a demon? She was like, hold up. And then she li- she thinks about his name, what they addressed him as, you know, uh, Master Royden. She's like, you're Matthew Royden. You're from the School of Night, Matthew Royden. And, if, and again, I'm not up, brushed up on my history, so I went and looked it up. So back in the Elizabethan era, there was a group of men that centered around Sir Walter Raleigh and they were known back then as the school of atheists. And it was those four gentlemen that I mentioned earlier. It was Christopher Marlowe, Matthew Royden, Sir Walter Raleigh and Thomas Harriet. This is interesting because this is a group that was um, rumored or suspected of being atheists. And we already know Matthew is Catholic. Like, very specifically, like, this has been said about him. I mean, he built a freaking church. So I'm just really curious now about Matthew's background in this era. Like, you're a Catholic being suspected of being an atheist in Elizabethan London when she's trying to bring back um uh Protest, pro, pro, I cannot say this word. She's trying to get rid of everything that her father did, King Henry the Eighth, as far as you know, he divided the church, he got rid of uh the uh what is it, Protestant religion and brought in you know the Church of England. Other way around, other way around. Uh, other way around. Okay. So I'm sitting here like, I want to know. 
basically, basically what happened is that Henry VIII couldn't get enough divorces granted. So he told, remember, because he had a lot of Not even enough divorces. He couldn't get that first one done. Right, right. And created his own church. Which is modeled after the Catholic church, but he just sort of kind of, basically, how can I put it this way? If you're Episcopalian or Lutheran, that would pretty much be the Church of England. So Lutheran has the 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 um, elegy. They have the the communion. They've got everything. They even they but they have um, bishops and all that. But it's not quite Catholic. So he basically had a Catholic church that wasn't quite Catholic, and he basically threw in some ideas from Martin Luther from the treatises on the door, and he kind of made his own. That's where they are today. Uh, his problem with the Catholic Church wasn't so much that he didn't like what they did. He didn't like the fact that they wouldn't do what he wanted them to do as far as granting annulments, divorces, and uh, basically allowing certain things. So his daughter, uh, she kind of rolled with it because being Catholic back then was sort of, and I'm going to say this and I don't want anyone to yell at me later, being Catholic back then was sort of almost like being uh mormon i guess you would say a little bit or maybe a better word would be more like being um scientology because it was so cultish back then Mm -hmm. that everything that wasn't them they would basically steamroll over right i didn't mean to interrupt i'm sorry no i'm glad you did because religion is not my forte you know (laughs) so (laughs) So I knew I was getting some details like mixed up, but yeah, but even, even so, again, I'm really curious as to what he's, what, what he's doing back there. And then we find out some things about his character in this particular episode. Like we find out that he's a spy. We find out that him being a Catholic, he is actually turning in Catholics. And I was just sitting here like, wait, what? What is going on? Like, I'm really going to have to go back and and read some history now because I want to be able to watch this intelligently. You know, we've said this about this show before. This show is very intelligent. It's not not a lot of fluff. It's not a lot of bullshit. It's very intelligent. It's, It's starting to weave in those historical figures now and these really important events for that time. And admittedly, I don't know anything about those events, but I'm 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 curious enough and it has piqued my interest enough for me to go back and be like, okay, let me go back and read about this stuff that I forgot about from high school 30 years ago. Yeah, but, but I, I, I'm, I'm very intrigued by that because usually the way things are set up is that once you're in a certain country, you basically have one religion and they used to get a lot of perks for turning in people who were um, uh, a different religion, especially if you were Catholic after a certain amount of time, because being Catholic kind of insinuated that you were might not, I don't want to use the word dirty, but uh, it was uh, not um, accepted. Mm-hmm. Like with them, with them being associated with the Medicis and like all this stuff and like all the, the dirt that most of the early popes did. Right. And- Right. things like that yeah, yeah. I mean, like yeah. the catholic was basically a dirty word like yeah you know. pretty much so they would so if you so basically if if a family moved to your village and you noticed that they might 
be, you suspect they might be Catholic. If you turn them in, you might get an extra ration of meat and another cow at Christmas. Hmm. And I'm really not kidding about that either. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's, it's lovely how no matter what happens, no matter which religion it is, there's one religion that tries to eliminate another religion and take over for it, like throughout history. It's, you know, it's just it's just weird the things that are done in done in the name of religion. But I digress because that's not really what we're talking about right here. Yeah. But no, I'm I'm actually looking um on a website because I like I said, I, I was looking a, a trying to get a little bit more background history when once I finished watching this episode. And I am on Hartfordstage.org uh, and it's an article about religion in the in Elizabethan England. And it does say, um, with Queen Elizabeth on the throne, the pendulum swung back towards Protestantism. I cannot pronounce that word. In efforts to quell sectarian violence, Elizabeth was lenient towards practicing Catholics. However, specific laws, such as finding those who did not attend church, kept the Church of England firmly in place. Freedom of religion was assumed as long as laws were obeyed, but this did prevent Catholics from worshiping openly and some sought to rise up against persecution. During her reign, Catholic factions supported by Catholic countries, including Spain, threatened the queen's reign and even life. So yeah, if that was the case, if they were threatening her, then yeah, I can see why they would be trying to round up Catholics and, and reporting them. You know, if, if they're threatening the queen, Right. So, Can't do that. No, you cannot. But let's go back to the show. But, you know, I, I will say this. I started reading the first book and I haven't gotten much, um, much through it yet because I also started classes this weekend. But um, this is really intriguing to me. Like, I really want to go back and just kind of read up on this history just so I'll be familiar with the characters that are in the show. You've, you've got Matthew Royd and you've got Sir, Sir Walter Raleigh. Um, we've met the Earl of Northumberland. We've got, um, you know, Kit. And I'm pretty sure this is probably not the limit of famous people that we're going to get. We obviously know Queen Elizabeth is going to be in the show. Um, this the, one. I'm sorry. This one. Who else? Bill. Bill, the drunk, in the tavern. Who is he? See, Shakespeare. I, I, oh my God! Are you serious? Well, I assume. I didn't even think crazy. about that. Right. Well, if you, his hair is the same. He's a drunk. He's writing. Hello. Okay, see the drunk. Now my now my math might be off. I might be wrong, but I just took it as that. I could be wrong. See, you know, you you might actually be right. But the funny thing is, I was sitting there looking at him, and I was like, he looks like somebody. I know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I never put those two together. Okay, you know what? I'm gonna yeah, have to step up my game in, to he watch. Was born in 1564, so yeah, it's possible. Yeah. So I'm going to have to step up my game to watch this season. I'm really going to have to go back and, and just reacclimate myself with history. I see that now. We're going to see Francis Bacon too. Oh, that'd be cool. <laughs> this season is going to be really, really fun if you're a history nerd. I mean, because it's got so much, but my, I do have a couple of quibbles, but I'll get to them later. No, go to, go, get, get to them now. Let's go. Quibble okay. away. Francois getting Diana her clothes. 
Uh, clothes weren't ready made back then. So though that, that lovely outfit that they got her, her new clothes would have taken at least a month. And I'm like, oh, really? I mean, you literally couldn't, everything was made because ready-made clothing didn't hit the quote. I mean, you had mail order catalogs and stuff, but ready-made clothing, especially in Europe, uh, mass produced really wasn't until like the 19-teens, 1920s. You could get patterns and you could get material, but everything was pretty much made by hand. So you, I mean, the, the Gibson girl dresses back in the teens or, or the hoop skirts or even the Raphael clothing and the, the Napoleonite and all that stuff, all of that was handmade. So the fact that Francois was able to get her a brand new spanking outfit, by the way, I love the bunting. I thought the bunting was funny because I was worried they were going to do that. Um, it, it takes more than just overnight. So they rob somebody. They basically rob somebody. That's a good point. But there there was an actual uh, panel last week that BFI did with Deborah Harkness, Teresa Palmer, a couple of the like directors, production. And they talked about the whole process, including costuming, set design Ooh. and all of that. I didn't get a chance to watch the full panel, but that is on my list of things to do this week. So maybe they answer those questions, like how they came up with the costume. But even, even if we suspend our belief and she just magically came up with some clothes the same day for Diana, it's still like those costumes for this season, just in this first episode alone, absolutely gorgeous. So you're talking about a certain fedora? I'm talking. Okay, girl. <laughs> yeah, he was. Oh, so let's <laughs> stop the screen. I was like, oh, look at so that. I, I saw. He, I think he actually walked with that on. Like, yeah, I think he was actually kind of pimping with it. Too. <laughs> he was walking. <laughs> Let me tell you. Uh, I saw a screenshot of that scene last week on the um it was on twitter and the also sisters uh twitter account and that's one of the um twitter accounts i started following once i got into the show it's uh it's two black women and they are they run a website with mostly black fans that are you know fans of the also series so they posted that picture last week and i was looking and it was kind of dark. And so you couldn't really see his face very well, but you could see like his jawline and that little stubble he has right now. And I looked at that picture and I was like, good Lord. I like, Matthew is nice to look at, but I was never like, oh my God, he's like, you know how you are yeah. when, when you mm-hmm. fixate on certain characters. Yeah, yeah. I've always liked the chemistry with Matthew and Diana, but I was never like, oh, I'm standing for Matthew. Like Matthew's my babe. Y'all know, y'all know who my babe was in the first season. It was Domenico, you know, just because he had that swagger. He had that attitude. I will say this, seeing Matthew with that, that hood and that hat, when he was walking down the street, like you said, Mike, he was walking like he had some swagger. And not only that, Diana also makes mention of the fact that people really paid attention to him back then in that time. She asked him, did you always get this much attention? And he's like, probably I never really paid much attention. 
you know, but something about Matthew in this first episode, let me talk about Matthew good for a moment. I don't know what it is about him that fits the character of Matthew de Claremont so well, Mm -hmm. but in this episode alone, you will see his face change to like five, six different emotions in the span of a scene. And it's just like, you can very clearly tell the conflict that Matthew is having with himself. You know, it's like one, he's back in a time period that he obviously really does not want to be in, you know, because there are things about his character and things about the person that he is in this time that he does not like but he's doing it because it's he's doing it as a sense of duty and he's doing it because we find out later this is what Philippe has set him up to do you know so we also find out in this time Philippe is alive yay he's somewhere nearby he's in France have you but, seen who's playing him hmm have you seen who's playing him yet I haven't paid attention no really, it's it's on IMDb okay yeah I really I really have stayed away from the casting information aside from what I've seen on Twitter because I kind of wanted to be surprised because I haven't read the book, so I don't know what's going on. So again, just finding out the characters that are coming in a historical sense was surprising for me because I had heard people or I'd seen people on Twitter, you know, um, talking about kit and walter and henry and they're they're talking about them just by first names and i haven't delved into okay so who are these characters because i want to be surprised just like i was with with the first season i want to go in kind of not knowing anything so that i'm fully awed by the story because i could already tell just looking at the trailer that this season was going to be amazing and I was like, I don't want to really spoil any of that by going and looking and saying, okay, well, let's let's see what's happening in this season. Oh, this person is going to be here. This person is going to be. I didn't want to know any of that. It was just enough that I saw who I thought in my mind was, oh, that's Queen Elizabeth. Okay, so this is the story they're going to. Okay, I didn't even, again, I didn't even go look for anything until I watched the episode. And then as I watched the episode, I was like, okay, let me figure out who these names are because I don't know a lot of England history. You know, it's, I right. just don't. Okay. Well, the cat, you, you're going to like the casting. I'm just, that's all I'll say, but. I'm pretty sure I, I've, I've pretty much liked the casting here in this show. Like they've done really well with the casting, you know, yeah. even, even with the character of Isabel from what I've read in the books, her character is supposed to be, I think, younger than Matthew and looks younger than Matthew. And that's one of the things that's like kind of confusing because he's her son, but he's older than her. But even with an older actress playing her, like the actress they have as Isabel, I can't see anybody else in that role. Yeah, she's so top notch. They, they are very, very good with the casting on this show. So... um I had a slight point about the clothing. I was like, well, when you think about it, like everybody wore, like she was getting her corset tied. So, I mean, it's possible that she could have gone out and found a dress and just tightened her corset enough where she could fit in. So it's like, I mean, yeah, yeah, clothes, yes, yes, clothes take, take all, I mean, the clothes are very labor intensive 
and people, you know, they didn't have sewing machines or anything like that. That's fine. But they also had corsets that had lacing where they could like, where she was like, you can like draw, pull and tie and pull and tie and break ribs and make shit fit. So um, there's absolutely, that, that's possible too. That, I'm just, that's all I was really saying about that. But yeah. Yeah, Philippe, yeah, the good the guy they got for Philippe is gonna is a hell of a choice. And I'm I'm so looking forward to him. Yeah, and see, I'm so, almost curious now. I want to kind of go and look it yeah, up, but no, it. I want to be surprised. Do I want to be surprised. Don't do it. Because I know if I go to IMDB and start looking up season two cast, I'm also gonna see who else is gonna show up in this season two as far as characters and everything. And again, I want to be surprised. You know, it is kind of like Anthony says with Diana, like we're, we're learning about this world as Diana learns about this world. Same thing. I want to, I want to go on this journey of unpeeling Matthew's past and seeing who he was. I mean, we already have a glimpse of who he was and what type of person he was. So I'm enjoying that journey, but I don't want to know anything more than that. I want to be su- surprised. And I, you know, there's also when the first episode aired, again, you have a lot of people who are book fans of the show and they were commenting on Twitter. And, you know, I look at some of the comments and then if, if I see something that might be a little too spoilery, you know, for, for someone who hasn't read the book, I kind of scroll past. Right. Apparently, this little kid that showed up, Jack, he's supposed to be like a favorite. Yeah. Every yeah, I mean, people were having the reaction to him that we had to squirrel in cursed. So I'm like, I literally have that in my note. In my note, next next to Jack, I was like, "That's squirrel. That's the squirrel of this." That's going to be our squirrel. That's our squirrel, hundred percent. Yeah, I I think he's going. He's going to play a way bigger role. He's going to be the little the little kid that gets them out of the situation or is right by them and shows all kinds of heart and stuff. That's hundred percent what he's gonna be because I got I got heavy scroll vibes from him when they he called him he was like I should turn you into the bailiff and he was like but we're not gonna do that now what's your name and she's like Jack and I and then he just gave off all that all that um all that vim and vinegar and piss and vinegar I was like okay yeah you know is- he reminds me there's a there's another character that started out on Outlander as a kid and his name was Fergus. And Fergus is like one of my favorite characters on that show, but he started out similarly. He was a little pickpocket who lived in the brothel that one of the main characters, you know, they go, they went to the brothel to kind of have their like secret meetings where nobody would be paying attention. And he was a pickpocket and then he ended up being, becoming a spy and almost like a son to the main two characters. So I was like, okay, this is going to be our squirrel. This is going to be our Fergus. Because this little kid was like, yeah, you know, I, I look, I'm just trying to steal to eat. But since you're asking, yeah, here's the information. Yeah, somebody's been talking about you being a witch. And this is where the this is where the rumor started. And I was just like, oh, he's going to be the eyes and ears around town for Diana and Matthew. Yep. Like, that's who he's going to be. They're going to be like, oh, OK, well, you continue to give us information and we'll feed you all you want. That's what that arrangement is gonna be. Yeah, basically. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, he's gonna be he's gonna be a fun character. I'm looking forward to that. Now, the other thing I want to talk about. So we we've already talked about Matthew's looks in in this show, like his clothing and everything. 
The other thing I really want to talk about is his demeanor. So Matthew in this time, he is still serious and, and rightly so with the, the work that he's doing um, as far as being a spy to the um, Spanish court. Was it the Spanish court he was spying on? Scotland, Scottish court, Scottish yeah. courts that he was spying on. But also we see a lot more humor in Matthew in this episode. And that's not something I can remember us seeing at all in the first season. Like, I don't remember him cracking a joke. I don't remember him really cracking much of a smile or laughing. And we see a little bit of that in this episode. And I was like, oh, this is a nice change of pace. Like, yeah, that part where they were in the bed and and they were, he, she was like kissing me. He was like, well, I do enjoy this. Shouldn't we be doing something else? And I was like, is that a little wit from Matthew? Like- uh, the other one was where she, um, he was talking about her clothing. He was like, we're not going anywhere until you get some clothes because you're not going out in that monstrosity. And she says, were you keeping me in the house because you didn't want to be seen with a fashion victim? And he's like, well, look at me. I have a reputation to uphold. I was like, wait, wait, what? who is this person? And what did you do with Matthew Claremont? Right. But I like it. He was almost showing off that white male patriarchy. Sorry, I had to say it since Anthony's not here. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. He was being playful with his wife. <laughs> with his wife. That still sounds weird. But, I, you know, I like it. You, you're, we're getting to see different sides of the characters. But at the same time, we are still seeing the same size. We still see Matthew as a little bit controlling. We still see him as very overprotective of Diana to the point where he's trying to tell her, you can do this, you can't do this, you have to stay in the house. And Diana, you know, one thing about time traveling women, and we get the same thing with Claire in Outlander. You can't take a woman from present time and send them back into the past and expect them to go back to that mind frame or to that mindset or to that attitude that women had back then. Like women are supposed to be demure. They're not supposed to speak out of turn and all this other stuff. That's not about to happen with Diana. And Diana let it be known very clearly. She let it be known to Kit. She let it be known to Matthew. She let it be known to um, Lord Henry and, and Sir Walter. She was like, okay, I can stay in the house until I catch my feet, but nobody's making me do anything. I was like, oh, y'all not ready for this 2000s attitude. Y'all really aren't. Right, exactly. You know, This, this reminded me of uh, the last season of the Umbrella Academy when, when, they, when, they, landed in, when they landed in Dallas and um, and Allison, Allison landed, and she was in the middle of. She walked into a diner, and she experienced segregate like segregation beforehand. And she right. was like, "Excuse me, I can't do what." And it's like, yeah, you, it's just like you said. Like, you, it takes a lot for some. Reason, it takes a lot more, even if it was like, like, like a black man going back in time. Like, you know, he's going to have to do the same thing because. Because black men in, in the past did were had a lower place in society or thought of lower in society than white men, so I can't go back there and, and expect to walk into somewhere and just be be served or anything. The, the, even walking down the street, they'll be like, "Hey," and knock me out because I'm 
Like, why are you why are you out here without your master? Like, master, motherfucker. Which was my problem with Timeless, because whenever they would go back in time and Rufus was with them, I'd be like, stay the ship. Right, exactly. Especially when they did the Civil War episode. Like, don't, yeah, just, just, yeah, just drive it around. Drive yeah. it around and come back and pick them up. Don't get yeah. out. Yeah. 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 And they, honestly, they never really knew what to do with him. But, you know, that's either here though, but I agree with what you're saying 100%. Yeah. So, but, um, you know, and Diana makes it very clear to Matthew. She's like, look, you don't protect me. We protect each other. This is what we need to do. Look, we need to go out. We need to do this. We need to find the book so we can get the hell out of here and go back to our time. Because Diana, Diana is not, I don't think she's going to make it in 1590 because one, she's too confident for that time. She's too bold for that time. She's too outspoken for that time. You know, it's like... There's an American accent, doesn't have a British accent, and she sticks out like a sore thumb. It's like she does. the way she talks. She, because uh, Walter, Sir Walter Raleigh said, "Like, where are you from? Like, I'm from Cambridge. Like, really? Like, yeah, like a little further west. I was yeah. like, way further west, because you don't have an accent, so you're gonna stick out." Well, uh, I I would argue that while she may be modern. There were other women at that time who had positions of power solely off of their family. So there were some women around who were, as we like to say, bosses, but it was mainly due to the strength of their family name. And I think that for Diana to just say, walk out into the street and start commanding this guy to do this and this guy to do that. She's not necessarily going to get that to happen and work for her. But if she would be inside the home like they were and she's telling them what she's going to do and this inside the home, she would have basically the same level of power. So I don't think they're surprised by her attitude. It's just that they're used to that attitude but not stepping outside the front door. Which still is going to be a problem because oh yeah, Diana is anything but demure. She is anything but submissive, right? You know, so it's going to be interesting to see how she charts these, you know, these streets because we don't know how long they're going to be there. We don't know how long it's going to take them to find the book. So, you know, and then I have a feeling, even though they had their little conversation at the end. Kit is going to have to watch his mouth because when he walked out of the house and he told Matthew, he said, if you plan on being discreet, I suggest you keep it in the house. I'm almost I'm almost surprised she didn't cast a spell on him. <laughs> like, oh, I got your it. But um, the other thing, um, so as Diana is there, we noticed that her powers seem to be manifesting themselves in another way. Um, Matthew goes out the first night that they're back because as he says, he needs to reacclimate to that time. Um, so he goes out to see a few people and then Diana is asleep and she's woken up by some kind of feeling like something that just, she's sensing something. She walks downstairs and walks outside and there's a woman who's coming down the corridor 
and you can see this woman's aura and Diana looks at it and she notices it. And as the woman turns the corner, she hears, um, I think it says come witch or something like that. She's basically telling her to come. So Diana follows her. But then when she, when, when the lady stops and turns around, she's looking at her like, why are you following me? So I don't know if that's something that Diana just heard in her mind, because I don't think the woman spoke to her. You know, I think that was just something, it, it was like something in, in her powers. And she even says this to Matthew. She's like, no, it's, she said, it wasn't her magic that drew me out. It was my magic. My magic led me to her. And then of course, when she turns around to look at to look at Diana, she's like the spitting image of Sophie, but she's a witch. So she obviously has to be one of Sophie's ancestors because again, Sophie comes from a line of witches and she just happened to be born demon, which again, we don't know why. But Diana tells Matthew about this and she figures out that Sophie, she, I mean, this this witch whatever her name is so the sophie doppelganger there you go laura you were talking about doppelgangers and we get a doppelganger in this series you talked it up i know i did but see on this one i was actually kind of happy because then that's going to answer a lot of questions when they get back to the present time so this is what i don't mind Yes, and but then also this, they're not existing in the same time too. So. Yeah, well, yeah. If they bring her in the present, then I'm gonna have some vampire diary problems. But no, I didn't really mind it because to me, she just appears as an ancestor. But I was quite surprised to see the actress there because I was like, oh, they went there. Okay, that's actually kind of cool because again, I haven't read the second book yet, so I don't know. I mean, like I said, I'm still struggling to get through the la- first book. But this is interesting. Michael has his hand up. Okay. <clears throat> I have a theory. <clears throat> so, so we we dare, we hear we see her walking and see and she sees R. Then she hears the voice in the back of her head. I think that the voice was the elder witch that we saw at first that was predicting her coming. I think the elder witch is going to be one of the witches that helps her that's going to that and her coven that they were around the bonfire and she was mm-hmm. her coming i feel like she's going to be the one one of the people one of the main ones that's going to help her get her powers get her powers straight and help her get back to help her get her, get control of her powers because it, it just, that just seems like it seems too convenient it's just like in series you get a character introduced at first, where you're like, okay, why was that character? You know, they introduce them, then they don't talk talk about them for a while. I think this is exactly what's happening with the Elder Witch and all the other witches in her coven. I think they're going to be the ones that get that get Diana and help her help her get control of her powers. Because we see in the in the post in the post in the post scene previews for further episodes, we see Diana in the middle of a circle surrounded by witches mm-hmm. where. He's gonna where where they're trying to help her gain, gain control of her power, or they're they're trying to do a do some kind of spell on her. So I think that that she that the elder witch is trying to guide her to where she needs to go, and I think that the Sophie doppelganger ancestor chick is is probably one of the first steps to her finding her way to that coven. I I, think- I agree with you on most of that. I don't think i agree that it was the voice of the woman of the older woman who summoned her 
because if you think about it, I just, hmm, I think it was one of those things where maybe I do, I do believe what Diana said, her powers are starting to manifest in different ways. And I think that was maybe her power recognizing another witch or recognizing that particular witch as the person who's supposed to help her. Because again, like Diana said to Matthew, this is how Sophie's, this is how the chess piece gets into Sophie's family. That woman is supposed to be my teacher. She's supposed to help me. And I don't necessarily feel like it was the older woman. I think it was more so an instinctual thing with Diana recognizing that kind of power and then and then it just happened to be a, an ancestor of Sophie's it it just happened it, you know coincidence destiny whatever you want to call it I just kind of think it's more so along those lines but then we see her come back later when Sir Walter and Lord Henry and Kit they've gone to look for a teacher for Diana and she's brought to the house and she also does like her little quote unquote reading and she's like no she doesn't have any power okay we know you lying because we know she has power at this point and her power is not being blocked so something about Diana scares this woman has to be because why else would you just out and out lie oh she doesn't have any power you know, especially while Diana and Matthew are there. Diana and Matthew both know she has power. They know that it's active right now. The other three guys may not know that. They they sense enough to know, that, well, Kit senses enough to know that she's a witch because the other two are human. So they don't, you know, they don't know. They just know what they've been told. So yeah. Matthew basically threatens this woman. He's like, look, you're lying. You don't want me as an enemy. And so she tries to test Diana. And again, here, here it comes. Diana can't light the candle. Yep. She tries, she tries. And then there's also a bell there that, um, what is it the lady says? She says a true witch could light the, could light the candle and stop the bell ringing right. at the same time. So both of right. these things are going on. Diana can't do it. She can't. And then she says, let me try one more time. And she closes her eyes and she tries to concentrate. And instead of lighting the candle, there's like a bowl of fruit sitting next to the candle. And she she draws the the life or she draws the energy from those from that fruit. And it literally turns into rotted fruit in front of everybody's eyes. And at this point, the witch is like really freaked out. She was like, yeah, you know what? Nope, can't help you deuces. I'm gone. And she also makes mention, she said, it's witches like you, witches like you are the reason they are hunting us down in the first place. So one, obviously Diana's not the only powerful witch in that time, but she might be the, she might be the most uncontrolled. But again, wouldn't this make you think that you need to help her? Because if she's that uncontrolled, She's going to draw attention to herself, wouldn't you think? Yeah, I mean, plus, I think. Would do you think that um, the the Sophie Ganger thinks that she is that maybe maybe she has dark magic that she doesn't want her to get control of 
maybe that's what scared maybe maybe her she she did detect that she had witch powers but they're powers that she probably a hasn't seen has never seen before and b they're so powerful that she's like this can't be like regular witch powers this has to be if they're not regular they have to be dark because um maybe she doesn't know and know a gray area where she's just really powerful and has all kind has control of all the powers so she's like okay you're either light or dark and since i've never seen this before me, me being a light witch you're dark so i don't want anything to do with this especially that's a good theory especially yeah. considering we're still like that question did come up in the last season where we wondered if we were jumping the gun assuming that diana was the the white witch and that right. satu was the dark witch so yeah. that, that actually is a very good theory especially considering you just basically rotted a, a, a bowl of fruit she could have done anything she could have she could have you know she could have made them more ripe she could have lit all the other candles in the room well she, the, all the other candles were already lit i really thought when she closed her eyes to light the candle I thought that what was going to happen was she was going to light that candle, stop the bell, and then all the light, all the candle lights around the room were going to go out. That's what I thought. Or go uh, shooting straight up in the flames. Right. Yeah, I thought that too. I thought she was going to set Kit on fire. Like, just all of a sudden, just like... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, jeez. Well, I I thought that the reason why the Sophie ancestor was so hesitant is that if she's from the future and they're saying that she's got all the genetic markers of the witches that they haven't seen in in years and years and years it it could simply be that at that time 1590 when the witches let's say are at the height of their uh skills that she may have developed a couple of uh skills that they haven't seen yet and they reckon and they don't recognize it so it's so she's a little alien a little strange hmm. or the other thing is is that it could be not so much that she's uh more powerful than them but it could be that uh, how do they put it uh when they usually write about witches sensing other witches powers they can sort of this is going to sound weird they can sort of taste what type of magic it is so maybe the, the the type of magic that Diana has is just odd enough that it puts her in the category of being a troublemaker, but they don't know why or how, so they're more hands off. Hmm. Well, see, also look at you got to look at it like this in the pet in the past in temp in times before modern times, if you do something that is not normal, it's not it's it's dark. Anything, anything you do, I mean, this is why, how, why you had the Salem Witch Trials. This is why you had the Inquisition. It's like, if you do something that's so different, right? it's like people don't understand it, they instantly think it's evil because it can't be good. Because right. this is something that this is something that's not normal. Whatever normal is, people, it's like, you see it and you're like, oh my God, how'd you do that? You're you're possessed by the devil. Like, drown her, hang her, put her in an Iron Maiden, do all this, do, do something to get it out of her. So it's like you can't, people don't, people react differently to things instead of researching them and seeing how this happened or trying to walk, walk it through and figure out where you're from, what's, what's going on. They're just like, you're doing something different. It's evil. You're dead. 
that's basically how it ha- how they handled it back then because there wasn't any other way to handle it and that's how they were that's how people did it i wonder too, sense, yeah i wonder too if the so- soapy gang is what, what did you call her mike sophie ganger, sophie ganger yes i, I like that she could sense that diana wasn't from that time period oh that's good yeah that's good because sensing she's out of time because they they know they call them time spinners mm-hmm. not time walkers so maybe that's what scared her off that's a very good point because that's true. They, they did they did call her a spinner instead of a walker and right and, 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 we, and that, yeah. that's what that's what um set what the head in the box called satu as well she right said, she was a we no. She called her a weaver. Well, her- we know Diana is supposed supposed to be a weaver. We don't know what that is yet, but we can have guess on that. Uh, that could be. That could be because again, if you it goes back to uh, your level of power. Uh, going back to the book series that I was referring to earlier, they have a set level of powers based upon jewel stones. The darker your jewel, the more powerful you are. And the main protagonist has a midnight slash clear jewel that's so powerful that uh, no one knows what powers it has. So they basically can't categorize her because the most powerful one is an ebon or a black uh, colored jewel. So they don't understand that when she does something or when they sense her, then they they think that she's not quite there. And, and the thing is, is that if you're out of time like that and you're that powerful and you've got this magical uh, education that you're seeking, that's going to lead to some classic uh, tropes of Karate Kid. You know, trying to teach, you know, young Danny how to fight or, you know, or, or you have this thing where you've got this kid who has to be able to whatever, you know, win a tournament or, or something where they got a challenge and they have to be taught you see them fall down get up fall down get up and then at the end they start to get it i've been watching cobra kai so you have to excuse me (laughs) but you you see what i'm saying right right so that that's pretty much what that could that could wind up to be also with her because they you know like i said they they don't know it's being out of step with other people who have the same uh, power set as you and having to learn it because she literally has to learn everything. And even what she learned from her aunts, she didn't, it didn't stick. Okay. Well, I mean, to be fair, they really didn't have enough time. So I could, I could definitely see the Sophie, Sophie Ganger coming back and saying, I promise to teach the witchcraft. Yeah. 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 I, I can also see them screwing up the timeline and having Sophie, doppelganger and i'm going to use that uh come to the present with them huh just like i anticipate little jack might get adopted and come to the present with them hmm that's interesting but um so laurie i just happened to look at my notes the person that matthew went to go talk to in the bar he addressed him as master pole Okay, okay, okay. So I don't know if he's gonna be important yet, but yeah, that that's his name. It was like well it was a good theory though, but I I assumed, you know, I just assumed he may still show up. He could he could be. Oh now now I'm curious, huh? 
Okay. Well, you know it's not Edgar Allen, so no, that's there'll be no way too early. Yeah, huh. but um, going back to Matthew, um, to say that my, Matthew's life in fifteen ninety is complicated, I think, is an understatement. <laughs> so you're spying in the Scottish court, or you're stirring up trouble, or stirring up chaos, as they say, in the Scottish court under the direction of um, Lord Burghley, who appears to be um, the chief advisor to Queen Elizabeth I. That, that's who he is historically. So you're doing that. And then at the same time, you're also under orders from your father, Philippe, who needs a spy in, did he say the French court or the English court? The English court, right? English court, yes. So... He's got a lot going on right now. And the fact that they mentioned, so it comes to a point that they find out when, when Jack is introduced, they find out that somebody has been in the bar telling people that Diana is a witch. Mm. And Matthew has his three guys come over and he asks Sir Raleigh, he's like, so have you been at such and such bar? And he's like, no, I wouldn't set foot in that place. However, Kit can't stay out of it. Immediately, Matthew knows where the rumors come from. He, he's like, Lord Henry, Sir Walter, I'll see you guys tomorrow. It was like a, a swift dismissal. I was like, oh, Kit is about to get his ass handed to him. And, and Lord Henry is like, Matt, are you okay? He's like, I'll see you tomorrow. They're like, okay. And they look at Kit on their way out like, it was nice knowing you <laughs> like they knew. And so Matthew, basically, he's about to kill Kit. Like he's already said in, in earlier in the episode, he's like, I'm not going to take any chances with your safety. Kit is now a danger to Diana because he's running his mouth because of jealousy, because of concern, whatever the case may be. He's putting Diana in danger now. So Diana tells them that they have to tell him the truth. So that's when they they tell him that she's, you know, she's a witch and they come from the future. And you know, he he makes he asks the question, so where's the Matthew of this time? And they're like, mm, we think when we got here he's disp- he was displaced. First of all, I need to understand more about how that works. Right. Like so what you're in you're in a time that's occupied by another version of yourself and that other version just what disappears goes into limbo what what happens and see this goes back to when they first tried to time walk back to Sator and they right. started- so it's like okay so that kind of, so it's, it's almost like it's almost like they had the, they got this question in season one. They were like, "Wait, how are how are they back at Satur, but they're still at Satur?" So they're like, "Okay, we gotta explain this." So in season one, they say, "Wait, so you so the where's the other Matthews?" Like, "Oh, we think he's been displaced." So that conveniently almost explains what happened to Satur as well. So but almost- it doesn't explain it. It it opens up so many more questions because now I need to know how this works because I've never seen time travel explained in that way before anything else that I've watched 
regarding time travel, if you're traveling back to a, or, you know, traveling back or traveling forward to a time period where another version of yourself exists, it's always been that whole, you can't run into your other self. You right. can't interact with your other self, but it's never been a, okay, well, if you go back into time, you're going to temporarily erase your other self. Like, I don't understand. But um, see, you're okay. Like Anthony would say, you're looking into this too deeply. No, it <laughs> there <laughs> has to be an explanation for that. That's something. That's something way too major for you to just throw in the show and then not have a good explanation about it. It's just. But you can't I think just say that he's displaced, and we go, oh, okay, that's cool. No, because I, then what? Okay, so if he's displaced, <laughs> if Matthew is existing in this time in this space now. And he's pretending to be the other Matthew. Okay. Okay. Whatever he does as this Matthew, when he leaves and goes back to the future, this time's Matthew is going to have to face whatever consequences befall him because of what future Matthew did. You can't tell me, you can't just drop something and say, oh, he's displaced. And that be the only explanation because no, there has to be consequences to that if that happens. What happens if Matthew fucks up the timeline? What if he does something he's not he didn't do in his previous life? What if he kills someone by accident? What if he betrays the people who he's working for? When he goes back to the future, his past self, if he wherever that displacement is, if Matthew goes to the future, his his past self comes back. He now has to deal with the consequences of whatever 2020 Matthew did. So what happens if 2020 Matthew did something that gets him killed? How does well, that affect 2020 Matthew? It's just, it that's too big a thing for you to just drop in and say, oh, you know, the, the, the current time Matthew, he's displaced. We don't know where he is right now, but everything should go back to normal when we leave. What do you mean? Does that mean that time goes back and everything that y'all have done since y'all were there is erased? It's not enough to say he's been displaced. You need to explain exactly what that means and how that's going to affect the rest of the timeline. Well, maybe they're going to explain that later, but I believe that I, I, I honestly believe that I, I think I think that I I'm from I'm standing from my belief that they, that they use that to kind of explain how time walking works. I think that time maybe, mm. maybe time walk maybe that's what time walking is is that you go back and you're that but see then that but like you said that that gives that makes of that puts a lot of complications into it like if 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 that's true and matt going back into that time has he takes the place of the matthew of that time then the matthew of that time is actually in scotland so and he's supposed to be doing something if he disappears that means that means that he's disappeared from scotland and he's not there anymore so how are they going to explain that like he was just there and now he's gone so mm-hmm. I mean that that's a that's a and I gonna... and I also realize this is still only the first episode of ten, so I'm pretty sure they're gonna give that to us. But still, it's like for you to give just that explanation when Kit asks, "Oh, 
uh, we think when we got here, he, he, we displaced him. Just and when we leave, you know, things should go back to normal. That's no. Yeah, no. I mean, it's, it's, it, that, that's, that, is, as we say, is shoddy writing. And it's kind of, I mean, it's kind of, it, without, without giving that much of an explanation, it, you, it, it, it does leave a lot of holes for them to fill in in the next nine episodes. Well, what I got out of it was this, okay? In, in my mind, it made sense to me because they talk about her father and her mother in the first season and how they would time walk. And I believe it was the, the aunt with the short hair. I forget Emily. her name, M, uh-huh. Emily, who said that uh, each time that they would walk, they would have to be careful. But I got the impression that the longer they were in time, the more they were in danger of getting caught. But they were safer if they time walk in an era that wasn't their timeline. So if so, say we're time time walkers and we went back to 1850. Why? I don't know, none of us would want to do that, but if we did go back to 1850, we would be okay, okay? Because if you pick a place where you don't think your ancestors are going to be, Oregon, okay? Mm -hmm. Oregon is safe. Uh, San Francisco is safe, okay? But with him, uh, going back to an era and he is also, remember, a much younger vampire, which I think has a lot to do with the way people are reacting to him now, but that's later uh, I'll get into. But I think that with him being in Scotland, it's, I think it's called the butterfly effect if you do something and it messes up. Anyway, mm-hmm. but my thing is, is this, I think that with him being in Scotland, I don't think that he's displaced. I think that's an educated guess. I think that that Matthew is still in Scotland doing his own thing. And as long as they're far enough removed where they can't actually run into themselves, again, a trope, I think they're fine. But then here's the problem. So 1590s Matthew is in Scotland. He's supposed to be stirring up chaos and and doing this, doing whatever job he's supposed to be doing for Lord, Lord Burgley. Now, if... 2020 Matthew is in London also doing what he's supposed to do for Lord Burgley. You can't tell me that someone as elevated as Lord Burgley, who, who is sending Burley, who is sending spies to different courts, you can't tell me he doesn't have somebody else there keeping an eye on his spies to make sure that they are doing what they're supposed to be doing. So okay, what I- happens if he gets word back on Matthew's activities in Scotland and he's like, wait, how is he doing this in Scotland and he's here doing this over here? It's, okay. just, it's really... Four, four to six weeks. Travel time from London to Edinburgh back then took you four to six weeks. Huh. You, you see what I'm saying? So what, there's enough time in between sending a spy, getting news, finding out, coming back. That's two months. They are in, got what they need, bounce. I mean, think about it. The way they traveled back then, 
you know, the way that they had to do the, the roads weren't really roads unless they had it on the main road, the way they had to go through the villages, the way that they had to do stop at the Lord's Manor for the night, turn into two nights because you didn't want to offend someone because of his high statue. But again, it's going to take you, it's going to take you a minute to get there, report and get back. Is it, well, I mean, I mean, it'll I'm take just a like, human that long. Well, no, You're dealing no. with vampires. Well, no, but you would still have to do the social niceties, would still keep you held up for a few days. I don't know. It just like you said. I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna. They're gonna go more in depth about, or maybe get more specific about it when they go forward. I mean, she she probably she'll probably run into her parents there because that's what they do. So no, that'd be funny. I mean, I mean, they're, they're time walkers. So why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't she run into them? And she and they'll be in the coven that eventually helps her gain her gets control, magic, her yeah. control of her powers. So yeah. But you know, I well, thought about that too about her running into her parents because maybe you know, and of course it goes into this whole time thing. You you know, when you deal with time travel, sometimes it's kind of like okay, so which event affects the other? Like where does the circle start and where does it stop? So it's kind of like if she runs into her parents now and she's there with Matthew now, is she there with Matthew and sees her parents because of what happened in the future? Or is her being with Matthew because her parents saw them together in the past? Ooh. Which, which event affected the other? That's good. You see what I'm saying? That's good. I like that. Yeah, that's yeah. good. That's true. It's, just, it's just one of those things because if her parents are in the past, they see Diana with Matthew and whatever, you know, whatever happened there. And then they go back to the future and then they're like, okay, they put that idea in her mind that you are going to meet this shadow prince and blah, blah, blah. And they tell her this story, but it's kind of like, okay, which came first, the chicken or the egg, you know? That's true. Yeah, you have a really good point. So I don't know. Um, I think we talked about mostly everything. Um, that Diana and Kit conversation at the end of the episode, that was a very intense conversation because this is not the first time that someone who is intimately knowledgeable about Matthew has warned her that Matthew of this time is not going to be the same Matthew that you know and don't assume that you know him. And are you going to be prepared to accept the Matthew that he will become? Like Hamish warned her about that before they left. And now Kit warns her. And she basically, she tries to hold her own. She's like, I know who Matthew is, blah, blah, blah. And then Kit goes down this little thing. Okay, so you were unremarkable at first or you were uncommon. And at first it was this. And he literally described Matthew's whole the whole way that Matthew came to her you know and it's just one of those things like she's even moved by it you see she's starting to look like oh my god and he was like don't ever let yourself think that you know him mm, it's just mm. one of those warnings that it, it's it's an ominous warning it, 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 it was actually kind of depressing because it's like you you know how you have that one friend who they're cool with you and everything 
and they get around a certain person and they change just to be with that person, but you know that they're the type of person that never returned your Blockbusters video when you asked them to? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so basically, that's what I got off of that. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I plus, I, I mean, their love, Diana and Matthew's love has to be like so true by this time because everybody's tried to break them apart. Everybody's tried to warn them about, everybody's tried to warn her about Matthew and try to dissuade her from seeing him or being together with him. And yet they're still together. I'm like, that's an endearing, that's an enduring love. Like if she's just like, oh my God, y'all can shut the fuck up. Like I'm with him. But you know what? At the same time, if you think about it, Diana Diana says that she knows who Matthew is and she, you know, she she feels like he's not going to hurt her and all this other stuff, but I feel like also in a way Diana is very naive when it comes to Matthew because she really hasn't seen Matthew as a true vampire. You know, she has not seen the Matthew that is oh, excuse me, third person to to remind her because Isabel that's true to tell her that's true that's what i'm saying yeah, i mean like, when he everybody. first when he first transitioned and became a vampire she said he would disappear for months and commit such atrocities that philippe would forbid her from asking where he had been when he came back because i mean if you know where somebody is let's say he goes to england he goes for a few months comes back and you find out oh where were you oh he was in england and then let's say you find out there was some kind of massacre there you're automatically mm-hmm. going to put that together yeah. and apparently yeah. this is the kind of thing that matthew was doing in those early years of being a vampire because he was pissed that he was given immortal life so mm-hmm. i you know I commend Diana for being the, uh, you know, stand by your man type person, but I hope that it doesn't come back to bite her in the ass once she sees exactly what he is capable of doing. And I know that there, there is a scene that comes in one of the future episodes because you see it in the promo and he basically tells her, you don't know what I'm capable of. And I just hope that it's not something that's going to hurt them both in the end. Or maybe it's the one thing that once he reveals his true self, maybe Diana follows him down that dark path. Again, that that question of whether or not she's a dark witch or a light witch is still in the air at this point, I feel like. I think that for him being in this era, I think it's more of, was it nature versus nurture? I think that being back where he is, because you have to remember, he was only about 500 years old back in in the time in 1590. So he was still, quote unquote, a young vampire. Mm -hmm. And as we know, the older you get as a vampire, the more control you have, the less thirst you have, the less need to hunt. And I'm going to say he was vampire years he was 30 and when you're 30 we all remember 30 30 you still want to get out there but you're like yeah might stay home but oh i'm still gonna go right so for him i I think three young children that was never (laughs) well i never went anywhere i was saying it to be nice for the audience i kept my butt home and went and read a book but still i'm just saying 
I've had I have friends who've said that, but <laughs> okay, we're different. But my thing is, is that when you're a certain age, you you get to have like a suit of armor that you can't let anything can't touch you, but you can go out and you can do what you want because you want to. I mean, my my I'm I'm twelve and a half years older than my brother. Yeah, I don't know why I was thinking on that one, but my brother. He, he's in his thirties. His attitude is just weird. He's like, "Well, I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do, and you can't tell me." Yeah, but what about this and this? Well, I, you know, it, it's like I'm not. He's not quite a millennial, I don't think. But the thing is, is that they just get this idea in their head that they can do whatever they want. They can have feelings, whatever they want, and nothing is gonna hurt them, and they can just get away with anything. And I think that Matthew, uh, at this time had those feelings because you get the idea that he was different because he had the earring he's not wearing it his hair is different he's not having the beard he seems like he's not quite a thug but he's more uh rough around the edges uh he's betraying his church and apparently he has no conscious uh, uh guilt about doing that and it just seems like he was very um uh eric northman like I will, hold on I, I do want to disagree with one thing I actually think he does have guilt about it okay the way, right. that, the way that he the way that he came into the room when Diana was there and he realized that she was aware of what he was doing mm, mm-hmm. and she speaks to him she says you look older you know basically mm, and when you mm. see him walk in he feels like it looks like the weight of the world is on his shoulders Okay, and I'll give you that. Almost I'll like, give you that. It's almost like her knowing that about him kind of lifts that burden. And he literally, he gets on his knees in front of the desk and he lays his head down in her hands like, finally somebody is here and understands. And she doesn't berate him about it. But I think him having the secret room, him having the letters, you know, I don't know if those are letters giving him the orders to torture the people or the letters that he gave saying this person is a Catholic, this person is a Catholic. He kept it almost like, he kept it almost like a shrine or kind of like, since we always talk about vampire diaries, he, it was almost like Stefan's list, you know? Oh, yes, exactly. Yes. Have the cross, you have your rosary and it's in a room that's hidden. I think that was where he went to kind of, not necessarily beat himself up, but that was where he could go and be himself and maybe do his penance or whatever. So yeah, I I don't think that he's guilt-free from that. I think he has a lot of guilt. And I think that probably drives a lot of how Matthew is in 2020 when we meet him about him wanting to save all of the species, about his tolerance and about his openness about the other species. It's because he knows what he's had to do in the past. And again, this is something that he's been forced to do. Okay. Okay. By his father, no mm. less. Diana makes Right, right. But but there's no self-flagellation with the whole whip thing and you know, the Catholic, you know, thing. We haven't seen that yet. We haven't seen that, but we might. That's the thing. We yeah. might see that. Because, because because I was trying to remember if we'd seen his back in season one. We saw his back and he ha- he did have other scars. Scars, but right. I didn't see any of those kind of scars. But I mean, think think about what kind of guilt he has. Diana points out that Philippe is the one who sent him there 
with that task, knowing that Matthew was Catholic. That gives me a whole different point of view on the type of person Philippe must have been. To do that to your own son, yeah, you know, you know yeah. that this is him. That's that's almost like having a black person in the times of slavery telling people, "Oh yeah, this is where the Underground Railroad is. This is where you'll find your escaped slaves." It's almost that same, you know, in mm. that same vein. You have a Catholic, and you're making him give up other Catholics for persecution. Right. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think of it that way. But but see, the, the thing that I don't understand is that, okay, Philippe, he refers to him this season as his father. Mm-hmm. In the first season, he clearly uses the word stepfather. So something must have kicked off between then and now, meaning past the present. Right. I don't know, because even towards the the end of the first season, he actually started referring to him as his father. Exactly. So, so maybe, yeah. maybe, yeah, maybe a little bit of forgiveness comes with time, you know, but yeah, but I, I, I'm a little concerned because, and excuse my language, I'm about to use a, a cuss word here. I am so afraid that uh, Matthew is going to go the fuck off, like really, 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 really bad. And it's going to take everything that Diana has to forgive him. But at the same time, she's going to go into that trope. It wasn't your fault. You didn't really need it. Oh, I I guarantee it. And I'm going to tell you why I say that. Because because like you said, you've seen the promos for this season. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There is a scene in one of the promos where and it's right after like the way they piece it together they put the part where diana says we protect each other and then in the next scene you see matthew taking away a bloody knife out of diana's hand oh that's and right she's got right blood all over her hand she's got it on the forearm so apparently she's killed someone whether to protect herself or to protect matthew so yeah, it had to be I, I can't. I can't see her doing that to protect herself. I can't. You're you're right. You're right. I don't. I don't see that either. I I, I probably would see her using her magic more right, so right. than right. doing that. But um, yeah. So I think Diana is going to walk down a darker path this season. I don't think it'll be something intentional. Like I said, I think it it definitely is to do something that will, you know, to protect Matthew. Um, And we'll just have to wait and see what that is. But yeah, I I don't think there's going to be that whole um, having to forgive thing, because I think Diana's probably going to do something too that kind of puts her in that mindset of, oh, okay, this is what we do to protect the people that we love, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, Mike, what, what, what do you, what do you, what do you think? Are we wrong on this, or? I think that I, I can, I can see, I can definitely see Diana doing something to protect. I mean, she's already gone through so much already mm-hmm. that it's like you know, I mean, the, what, what's, what's, I mean, she, because she killed Juliet. I mean, so it's like, what what step is there? For okay, her? killing Crazy Town was a mercy killing. 
I mean, yeah, for everyone else. But I I honestly think that I mean we see we see at the end that he's still doing um what's his name? Lord Ber- Cecil Lord Lord Burgley's bidding mm-hmm. because right, right. He, he's in there because he has to. And you could see like from his reaction, like at first he at first when he gave the order, he turned his back, but then he turned back around and you could see like you could almost see the fire. You could see the remembrance in his eyes about how he actually kind of enjoyed that. I don't. I don't think he enjoyed it. I, 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 uh, I, that's hard to say. I just okay. I, I can agree to disagree, but I just saw. I, I could see, and I could see there, there, there was some. There was a sense of remembrance, even if he enjoyed it or he didn't enjoy it. There was a. There, there was something that jogged his memory when he saw that happening. It's like there's something that reached back into the past and of who he used to be that kind of jogged it. And I could see him being conflicted by something and Diana interjecting and maybe killing somebody on his behalf and him taking the bloody knife out of her hand. And that had that's how that happened. Mm-hmm. So I could so I could I could definitely see that happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I I don't know. I I I feel as if I, I'm. I feel like I'm the only one on this panel podcast that thinks that whatever's going to happen, it's going to be something that is going to be unexcusable to everyone else but her. But I feel that she is going to have to uh, convince everyone that it again. And I know Hanako, you said no. It wasn't his fault. He wasn't in his right mind. He didn't know what he was doing. Yeah, you know? I mean, I, I I just see that. I I I just I don't know what based on what I've seen. You see more than me. I just feel that. But I also feel that with this episode, and again, maybe because I'm still reading the first book and I see Matthew one way in the book season one, book one versus season two, book two. I get the feeling that there is a lot of him that he really shut off early on, maybe five, six, seven hundred years old, that he hasn't accessed over the last couple hundred years. So putting there, there's this thing that if you go back to your old neighborhood and you hang around a few people for a couple hours or a day or so, you start going back to what you used to do when you were with them in the old neighborhood. That's an idea and a premise. Uh Uh, I'm thinking that's what I'm seeing here with him. He's back in the hood. He's back with his homies. And he is basically going to go back to doing what he used to do back in the day. And whether he's conscious or unconscious, he's just going to slip right into it. And it's going to go over Diana's head until it's too late. Yeah, I can see because he's he already had he already has to answer to answer to Cecil for being there. Right. So exactly. he's already basically slipping back into his ways mm-hmm. because because he's falling back into being under Cecil's Cecil's control. Right. So he's already going down that path. Right. Right. I can see it, but yeah. I still think I, I I'm gonna go out on a limb and and go opposite from you guys. I think it's gonna be Diana to be the one that slips off the slope. Mm. and something tells me i almost feel like she's gonna do something she's gonna end up doing something that's going to dramatically alter the timeline or dramatically alter events 
I just, I don't know why I have that feeling. It's like, I know she's supposed to be the good person. She's supposed to be the heroine of the story, but something tells me there's going to be something that happens in this season that tips that balance. And then I don't know. I, I, I guess it'll kind of put her and Matthew on an even playing field. Mm, okay. Okay. So I don't know. That's just kind of my, my thinking It'll be really interesting to get Anthony's thoughts when, when we get him back for mm-hmm, to discuss mm-hmm. episode two. Right. It'll be really interesting to get his thoughts and see what he what he got out of the first episode. Oh yeah. I'm I, really I, curious, I'm curious to get his thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. I can, yeah. I can actually see that. I mean, it, it, I'm, what I really want to see is her interaction with the witches from the past because I still think there's something with that older witch and it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they like their their react i mean you already saw how the how sophie ganger reacted to the vampires like calling them the old names and just like having total disdain for them Mm -hmm. so it'll be interesting to see once once she gets once she gets involved with the coven and starts her training like how I, I could see them trying to like you know while they're training her like talking to her like talking to her saying do you really trust him i know i know you love him and all but i mean can you really trust him you know what he does and da, da, da. <laughs> no that's gonna happen you know it's gonna happen that's mm-hmm. a, mm-hmm. And, oh yeah you're oh, yeah. gonna have to make a choice and this but at, they're, at they're, they're they're gonna be saying that to the wrong person because diana has pretty much let everybody know in the past and in the future she's not one to play with like mm-hmm. don't yeah. second guess her don't make her don't talk to her like she doesn't know her mind don't talk to her like she doesn't know how to make a grown-up decision because she can you know yeah, yeah and she's like that because her aunts raised her that way you right. know right so any final thoughts on episode. opening credits are way better this season than they have oh my god they yes are they are so awesome. amazing they're crazy i was like so they, amazing they finally I love, gave I love the way that they they incorporate images from season one right right with the images of season two and they kind of blend together i was oh, like oh my god this is so awesome it's so it's so pretty i was on my i was on my bike I think you guys know I, you know, I watch as I do my spin bike. Yes, I know I torture myself. I literally stopped pedaling. I was like, ooh, pretty colors. <laughs> I literally stopped. That's it's they're they're that's gorgeous. That's they're gorgeous. With Matthew and that fedora and that color. Oh, I stopped on that one too. Yeah. My bike has like got like four different pauses in my work. I was like, pause, pause, pause. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I um I think the best thing about this new season is that it gives us a lot of uh, things to look forward to. It gives us a lot of historical stuff. Now, Hanako, you dove way more into the historical stuff than I did because I'm tired this week for some reason. But um, now I'm like, okay, I want to go back and I want to look into stuff. But I think the best thing about this season is that it's back. Uh, they're going to cheese us week to week. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But it's really, it hasn't dropped a single uh, degree note uh, symbol. It is still, in fact, I think it's better this season than last season. Yeah, I agree. And I think the historical aspect of it makes it a yeah. little more better. And then 
also because we already kind of know what the game is. Oh yeah. Like they're not having to build it up. We're not having to learn about Diana. We're not having to figure right. this out. Like we already know what the stakes are. Right. So right. I think that's part of it too. But again, like I said, as far as the historical thing, it really interested me because when I was younger, I had an interest in history. I have an interest in history, but it's just one of those subjects. Like I can talk to you about English all day long. History is one of those things. It's like, if I don't talk about it, I forget it. So mm. hearing those names, it was kind of like a tickle on my brain. Mm -hmm. But I didn't mm -hmm. remember enough to say, okay, you know what? This is what's going on. This is who that person is. This is where they were in history. So I really had to go back and do my research and say, okay, who are these people? Because right. again, academically, I haven't done history in school for a long time. And TV, you know, TV shows, movie shows, they will give you some aspects of history, but they also tweak it so that it's not exactly accurate. Right. So right. like, you know, I like in my mind, I know who Henry Tudor is. I know what he did. I know about his six wives. I know about his break from the church. I know about all this stuff, but the minute details right. and the like secondary players, I don't remember right. that stuff right. because right. it's been and all 10, that stuff, 15 yeah. years since I even thought about it. So this series is actually, like I said, it's gotten to the point just bringing those three in. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. As if I don't have enough school work to do with the three classes I'm taking, I'm going to be doing some side, you know, studying and learning. On that. But I will point history. out that you did make a very good point because when you watch shows that are historically based, and then when you get a show that is quote unquote historically based, but it's not because it has its own genre, I'm talking about Game of Thrones, it messes up your game because you train <laughs> yourself. You know what I'm saying? Right. You train yourself, you know, Targaryen this, Daenerys that. It's a fake history and you know it back and forth. But when real life history occurs, you don't know Jack. Right. And again, like I said, for me, it's the way that it's presented. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I can sit here and, and sit in a class and listen to a lecture and take notes. I'm only going to remember what I need to remember to get through, to get my A and to move on. But right. you present it to me in a TV show or let me watch something on the History Channel and have an interest in it. I'm going to remember way more than that. Put it right. in a TV show, I will remember obscure details that may not even be historically accurate, but it's because of the way that it's being presented to me. And I like the way that this show is presenting these characters to right. me. It right. makes it interesting. And again, the casting, spot on. And they have to have done the casting right because everything that I've seen on Twitter from fans of the books, they are in love with this cast. And we haven't yeah. even seen all of them. Like my boy, Stephen Cree has not even gotten on the screen yet. Yeah. So yeah. I'm just, yeah, I'm, yeah, it's, yeah, it's I, really piqued yeah. my interest. And, you know, I, who knows? I might, I agree with you. 100%. An expert elizabethan you know history by the time well you know elizabethan history actually can be quote unquote as they would say the kids say quite sexy if you really get into it right you know but i i appreciate that and i and i think your comments are very well said because i i'm with you i i like i said i must be tired this week because i didn't really perk up but um 
you're right. The Elizabethan stuff has got a lot of meat in it. It really and truly does. And I'm sitting here in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, okay, well, you've got the, the whole Hastings thing, you've got the War of the Roses, but then you've got the up and down, you got the thing with the Elizabethan. I'm going, oh, and then there's that, and then there's that, and they could throw in that. You know, my mind is churning, mm-hmm. you know. You know, there's the everything is I was like, oh, she's right. Uh, thank you. Because again, I watched it, I registered it, and then I just moved on. Right. You know, but yeah, no, you're right. So um, did we did we touch on anything else about Lord Burgley? No, I don't think Aside so. Aside from the fact that Matthew is working from for him and he is the chief advisor for Queen Elizabeth the First. No. Now is he a vampire? That was Lord my High, only question. Lord High Treasurer and Secretary of State, and he ordered the he persuaded the queen to order the execution of Mary Queen of Scots. So I'm sure. Oh yes, that's right. Oh, okay, that's right. right. Yeah, so I'm, sure, I'm sure that's that's getting ready to come in, come into play too. That should be fun. Right, right. But I don't know. I don't know if he's a vampire or if he's just human. Or I don't think they've said anything about that. You know, when they first showed him on the screen, I really thought that was Jabert. Me too. Me yeah, too. Same here. Same here. Same here. I was but, like, "Wait, what?" Like, oh my yeah. goodness! And then when Matthew went to go see him, I was like, "Oh, they can't be Jabert." There's, you know, because Jabert knows knows who Matthew is. So I was like, "Okay, that's not him." But boy, that that threw me for a minute. Yeah, he like. I was like, "Whoa!" Wait, I, was, I was like, "Wait, he was good. he was good." Like he because I know he was the Pope, so I was like, "Wait, he went." To but see that would have been good though. That, that would have been, been awesome. Yeah. But. And see, he could have killed him back then and then, like, it alleviated all this other mess in, in the future. And then there you go. He, he wouldn't have known. I mean, he would have known he was, an, uh, was a jerk, but, you know, so. But, no, but, uh, yeah, no, that's cool. I, yeah. So, and with that, that's the end of our episode. You can find us online at www.fandomhybrid.com. We are on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Fandom Hybrid. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and other major podcast streaming platforms. Thanks for listening. Hope you join the conversation next time. <laughs> <laughs>